0: I'm Damian Volwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth Admission, the Bay Area shuts down again. Nine months into the pandemic, California and the nation are seeing the worst surge yet of coronavirus cases. The key problem, hospitals are filling up with patients. As a result, five Bay Area counties have just ordered the most strict rules since March. Joining me to talk about what happened and what we can expect this week is Aaron Alde, our lead health reporter, and Justin Phillips, who writes about the restaurant scene and co hosts the Extra Spicy podcast, which you can find wherever you get Fifth and Mission. Hey guys, how are you?
1: Hi, Damien. Hi, Justin. Yeah.
2: Hey, Damien. And hello, Aaron. It's good to see you. It's always good to see you, Damien, but it's really good to see Aaron again. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Justin.
0: It's good to see both of you. And I know you've been busy. We're we're recording this on Sunday afternoon and we're heading into another big week in the pandemic and, and, a, and another real bummer week. Um, Aaron, first, why don't you get us started? What happened this week and what is what are we going to see as these new rules come into place?
1: Right. So I think uh, this last week was, you know, the, of course, the week after Thanksgiving when we were all sort of bracing for these these numbers to roll in from from gatherings, from people coming together for the holiday to uh, to see if the cases um, were kept, kept climbing or if, you know, people sort of behaved themselves and did as they were as they were asked um, and kept them themselves. The truth is, we don't we haven't really seen those numbers yet, which is expected. Um, but what we saw, unfortunately, is just really dramatic numbers of cases um all last week um i think for the first time we averaged about 20,000 new cases every single day in california wait you're saying um, we haven't the even see, you're
0: saying we haven't even seen the thanksgiving bump yet
1: no oh wow,
0: nope. oh, wow. Um,
1: so oh, i mean wow. you know it's those those cases have have probably have certainly started trickling in um but i don't you know but they're they're not we haven't seen the dramatic increase from that yet
0: wow Okay, but they took the steps anyway because of what we were seeing even before that, right?
1: Correct. So, you know, I think that they were all sort of bracing for it and hoping that we might sort of see things. What they wanted to see was things starting to drop down before the anticipated Thanksgiving surge, and we just weren't seeing that. You know, we were seeing that they just kept continuing to climb, um, even though we'd instituted other restrictions. Um, it just was on a terrible trajectory. Um, if you, you know, these, these folks, these these health officers that that do the number crunching, were seeing that they were going to run out of ICU beds. Um, I think that they, you know, anywhere from a week or two to the day after Christmas um, in San Francisco specifically. And the trajectory just was not getting any better. That's what they were really looking for was, are we going to have, you know, at least a day or two of things slowing down, if not actually reversing direction? And in fact, they were just increasing and getting worse. And again, knowing we still had that Thanksgiving surge ahead of us. Um, So, yeah. So on on Thursday, you know, the governor took the, the extraordinary step of saying, You know, these regions that hit a certain capacity level um, with their ICUs would have to put in shelter in place orders. And on Friday, the Bay Area was not actually one of the regions that was going to be immediately affected by that. But on Friday, several of the Bay Area health officers kind of rallied together and said, no, we're not we're not going to wait. We're not going to go on that governor's timeline. We don't like what's happening here. And we're just going to institute these right now.
0: Okay, so we uh, tell us a, a little bit of the specifics—the ones that really, that people seem to be most focused on: restaurants, salons, playgrounds.
1: I would say you hit the, you hit the main three there. Um, you know, for the first time since—well, actually, I guess I can't remember exactly. Justin probably remembers exactly when um, when the restaurants reopened for outdoor dining, but it's been months. Um, but those are completely shut down again. So we're back at where we were, you know, in March and April with the initial shutdown order. Um, Playgrounds, of course, had only recently reopened after months of families, you know, really pushing back against that. Um, So those are closed down again. People are not happy about that. People are really not happy about that one because playgrounds, of course, are outdoors. Um, We're all told we should be outdoors, outdoors is safer, Um, you know, arguably the same thing with outdoor dining. So I think there's been a lot of frustration with a couple of those specific kind of orders. Um, But yeah, things like hair salons, nail salons, those have been reopened since I think September. So, you know, we're losing, it feels like we're losing a lot of ground and we're really back where we were, you know, right at the start.
0: All right. All of those rules, county by county, are available at sfchronicle.com. So go there if you want The specifics, Justin, you know, even before this latest order, you had an article about how a lot of restaurants are considered going into, quote, hibernation um, because it's just too much with the winter and the weather coming. They're really in bad
2: shape, right? Oh, man. The business itself was never, I, I think that's what I always try to remind people is that it wasn't a glamorous business to begin with. People weren't celebrity chefs raking in a ton of money. Um, everything was like a razor thin profit margin. Throw in a couple of months of having to do takeout and to go, sir, you know, delivery service, and those numbers weren't high because you know people weren't going to their favorite neighborhood spots as often anymore and really just the idea of hibernation just closing for a couple of months until things seem like they're better until maybe indoor service comes back till the pandemic numbers are under control or, or it's it's just more appealing for these uh, restaurant owners now it's tough man super yeah, tough and not
0: only that but it, it, they've invested a lot in all these heat lamps and parklets and tables and it looks like they've put oh, in yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars
2: oh man it, it's like a so we had a story recently, there's a couple of places in Chinatown that, um, actually one in particular, that uh, spent between $10,000 and $20,000 on their outdoor dining setup. Like it isn't just taking a you know, a couple of pieces of wood and throwing in a few chairs out there. Like they actually have to put in dividers and they have to figure out what seats would actually be comfortable. Like it's, it's an expense, like a for real expense. And um, the more elaborate ones you see, the more likely they are very, very costly. And even the simple ones are kind of costly. And so all of these places invested in that because they thought outdoor dining would be the thing that they would constantly have from here on out. And to not have that and to have had that expense, it's just uh, it sucks. Like it, it's it's just a tough situation financially.
0: Yeah, we had an article, uh, my, our colleague Michael Cabanatuan. Wrote where he got reaction, and obviously it was it was all over the board. Some people are very angry. Aaron, what what are you hearing? Is there an appetite for this latest order nine months in? And 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 what are people telling you?
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of a real question. Um, it's 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 complicated. Um, you know, it's a very we're in a very different situation than we were with the first shelter in place order in March um in march you know people were freaked out by this this new virus right like we didn't know how deadly it was going to be we didn't know how bad it was going to get um this was all new and you know let's be honest like there was a little bit of a sort of we're all in this together almost excitement right like this is like oh my god this is a pandemic like this felt pretty like thrilling and scary and there was this like we can all do this This like real kind of yeah everybody kind of like We're all we're in this same place. We just have to kind of buckle down for a few weeks and um, shelter in place sounded kind of novel and exciting. So, I mean, there was a sense of especially in the Bay Area and even throughout California of you know, everybody kind of working together and and we're all in this together kind of attitude um, that I think meant that people really did just stay home. Right. Like people were really paying attention to that um, and not seeing each other and not going about their business and just being very careful. Um, we also had much lower numbers then. So it didn't take that much really to get things kind of stamped down to a much more manageable level. Now, here we are, so many months later, there's so much more virus in the community. I mean, 20,000 cases a day in the state, 2,000 in the Bay Area is just, it's off the charts. Nobody anticipated we would be this high, this bad at this point. But also, everyone's exhausted. Everyone's fed up with the situation. Even people who are totally bought in, locked in, think that this is a real deal are tired of it. Plus, we're in the holidays, right? Like if ever there is a time when people want to gather together, it's right now. And they're really determined to make that happen. Um, so we're just seeing, you know, a lot of factors that are striking against us. There's the fact that we can't gather outside as easily if we want to. Um, you know, even if, if it's allowed, which it's not allowed, we, we, we can't do it because it's colder and whatnot. So there's a lot of concern that people aren't going to really be as sort of well-behaved as they were back in the spring. But there's kind of an argument to be, made, to be made that that's why we needed such a blanket shelter in place right now is because this sort of piecemeal attack of kind of this targeted closing down just certain sectors, kind of giving people, you know, curfews, giving people sort of random bits of things to close down, that clearly wasn't working. We, we knew, we saw in the case counts that that wasn't working. But also that's frankly really hard for people. I mean, I've talked with probably you about this. I, I'm about as tapped in. As anybody can be in terms of what's going on. And I, for a long time, couldn't have told you what was allowed in my county versus any other county. It just got too confusing. Um, people were exhausted by that. So, you know, I think the hope is that a blanket shelter in place order, A, is just straight up easier to understand. But also, you know, it really gets that message across of just how serious a situation we're in right now. And I think the hope is that even if people can't be quite as on board with it as they were in the spring, that the message will get across, clear, across clearly enough that people, you know, will maybe get 70 percent there and that that would have enough of an impact on our cases that we can at least protect our hospitals, which is really all that we need to do at this point. We just need to keep keep those hospitals from not being overwhelmed.
0: All right. Let's take a quick break. More on Fifth and Mission. We're talking about the new pandemic orders right after this. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm joined by Justin Phillips, the host of the Extra Spicy podcast, and Aaron Alday, who's our lead coronavirus reporter at The Chronicle. Justin, I want to ask you a question. Aaron had mentioned the curfew, which is another really strict part of these new orders that have been going around lately. Now, you write a weekly column on black life in the Bay Area, and you wrote about how dangerous uh, these curfews can be to some members of the community.
2: Whenever I write these pieces, it's always just taking like a thought, something that impacts my day-to-day, people who look like me, their day-to-day, and just, you know, showing it to readers, being like, I, this is my thinking. And part of that was just You know, with the curfew, there were police departments, especially one in San Jose, that were saying they're not going to be like strict about it. They're not going to be stopping you if you're walking up the sidewalk after 10 p.m. If you're driving somewhere at 10 p.m., you're not going to be getting pulled over. And so if police departments aren't going to be, you know, really enforcing it outside of small and large gatherings, I thought about how the community would have an active role in that. And if you want to think about community policing um, and how that goes, you can look at Next Door. And I don't know about Next Door for you guys where you stay, but Next Door where I am is ridiculous about the kind of complaints, you know, who might be a suspicious character. And a lot of these things are directed at, you know, people that are black and brown. So if this if the community has a large role to play in the curfew, just You know, my concern is about how black and brown people might be profiled more because, you know, now those like neighborhood watch people have a reason to be hyper vigilant more than they already are. So there needs to be a level of understanding in it. And um, that's all I said in the piece. The reaction was kind of wild. but
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we've all I think we've all written um, a lot about the problem of racial profiling and which goes on, obviously, a lot in the Bay Area and how police still respond to these calls that that you sort right. of see the the text version on next door but they still do respond and then you know you could just be out for a jog um and someone yeah. says hey this person's yeah. suspicious and they might use that curfew as a as sort of an excuse to call huh
2: hey hey look man i uh after work regularly so i have a fitbit during the pandemic to try to you know, manage some of this pandemic weight that's coming. And, uh, you know, I'm always like, I'm hyper aware of how I look in these spaces. Like, I like to go with headphones in and a hoodie on, you know what I mean? And depending on the neighborhood I'm in, I will definitely pull the hoodie back and, you know, smile and wave at people on some Mr. Rogers type of stuff just because I don't want any kind of situation. And I can imagine that, like, during this curfew, you know, if you work all day or something, it might want to get some fresh air at night. You've been in the house all day and you look like me. It might be a little bit more um, might be a little bit more anxiety than normal that comes with that. So it's just something to think about
0: all right. I want to get you both back on on this idea of 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 locking down and and even these outdoor restaurant spaces closing and and um, you know salons and and shops having less and less people. Um, what? What do we know? Aaron, I first want to start with you. What do we know about whether this stuff has worked in the past and whether it will work now?
1: Well, I think we know that lockdowns that that really kind of severe shelter in place, you know, stay at home kind of orders, that those do work. Um, we've seen them work before in California. We've seen them work in other places. Um, I th- I think the thinking is that they they will have an effect here. We will see an impact on the numbers. Um you know, even if they're not enforced really strictly, even if this isn't the strictest that things can get, um, you know, there will be an impact. I think, you know, one of the other that more questionable with some of these sort of piece, piecemeal targeted um, things I was talking about earlier, you know, when you close down very specific sectors, you know, a lot of that stuff we don't have evidence for. And sometimes counties will do that, will make a choice because maybe they have seen something in their numbers and their 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 cases that they're seeing and they when they do that case investigation that contact tracing they find that there's a certain sector that has you know seems to be a hot spot but that's not often the case they don't usually have that information and frankly when they do have that information they very rarely share that with the public including the media that's been kind of an issue throughout this pandemic Um, but, but to be, you know, getting back to the point at hand for most of these targeted things. And if you pick out any one sort of sector that's, that's included in the shelter in place, we usually don't have evidence for that. So I don't, you know, we don't have playground outbreaks, um, even outdoor dining. I don't know that we know for sure that that, you know, it's in and of itself is dangerous. I think what they're pointing out, what they, what they will tell you is when you have this much virus in the community, Pretty much, you know, every single interaction that we have that once was reasonably safe becomes riskier. Um, so that's that's part of it. Um, you know, the other part is, is kind of going back to that simplicity. You know, we're just trying to get this message to people. Stay home. Don't be around other people. End of story, right? Like, we're not going to try to pick apart what's more dangerous, what's not. That kind of leads to the divisiveness. It leads to anger, resentment, frustration. Instead, if you can just say, you know what? It's all bad right now. Just don't do it that is sort of, it's, it's easier for the public to kind of, you know, abide by that. It's, it gets the point across. It's, you're going to have more chances of, of a greater impact on these cases when we're in a dire situation like we're in right now.
0: All right. So for you, Justin, I mean, what were you seeing particularly in, in outdoor spaces? Um, And also, is there, is there a chance we'll see pushback? Are we already seeing pushback?
2: Oh, man. So let's go back to like before this 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 shelter in place uh, order. There were I know there were a lot of restaurant owners who uh, kind of lamented the idea of having to be the mask police because they would have diners that came. If you followed every protocol, they were happy. But you mix in like a couple of glasses of wine, some alcohol. They're there with friends. They might try to talk to other tables. And it made it. um you know, it, it just it caused them to worry, you know, because they were trying to do everything they could to stop the spread of the virus. And people just get too comfortable in those spaces. So that was before this one. And I know with the news of this shelter in place order, uh, a lot of people rushed out to go to outdoor dining. And I drove past a lot of places and saw crowded, you know, parklets and patios. I even, we, I drove past this uh, one little spot. I'm not going to call these places out by name. One little spot that serves tacos in my neighborhood. And there were people that were like gathered around a bus bench with no masks on, like a whole group of them eating together and, you know, definitely weren't from the same place and stuff, but it was just this like last rush to go experience this. And uh, I don't know, man, it's just, it's, it's a very... It's just a discouraging thing to see because we know, like as Aaron explained, like why these measures are in place. And if we want these restaurants to be able to offer these things again, you know, we have to follow the rules kind of like this is a serious issue. And do I think restaurants, will there be some pushback? Uh, I think so, because I've already talked to some restaurant owners who say they can understand how the restaurants in Los Angeles were feeling um, with their little effort to, you know, not little, but with their effort to push back on this, on, on their order. And I think you might, I don't know what kind of shape it's going to take at this point, but, I mean, these are people's livelihoods. They're, you know, some of them are hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt at this point. And, um, yeah, I definitely think you'll see some try to push back. It's just, I don't know. It's like they're they're at the edge of a cliff right now. They got to do something. All
0: right, before I let you guys go, Aaron, um, it's about a month still to Christmas, to New Year's Eve, to New Year's Day. What do we expect to see? How long are we going to be under the current rules? Is it just get worse or is there any hope?
1: There's definitely hope, um, just to put that out there. So things are, but 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 also things are going to get worse. Um, I... You know, I think that we're definitely going to see, you know, this this everything get worse. The cases continue to climb. The hospitalizations are definitely going get, to get worse um, over the next month. I mean, just from the Thanksgiving kind of fall fallout alone, we're going to see that happen, play out in the hospitals over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, we may, we'll probably, we'll almost certainly see another surge from Christmas. Um, I think the hope is that we just... We just need to hang on to our hospitals. We just need to kind of rally around the hospitals, keep those from being overwhelmed, um, keep those ICU beds kind of available as much as we possibly can through the, these holidays, so that as bad as things get, as many cases as we get, um, if we can just protect those ICU beds, we'll be okay. And the hope is that this is this is as bad as it gets, right? Like, so if we can just power down through the this this holiday and get to January, where presumably people hunker down again anyway. Even in a normal year, you know, we're all recovering from the holidays. It's cold. We're kind of just tired and and kind of being quiet through through the start of the year. So that's going to happen naturally, and then. And by the time you know this thing goes through what seems to be its cycles, which is kind of these ups and downs, if we do get, you know, yet another wave um, in the spring again, by then we will have, a, you know, presumably we will have a vaccine. People will start to be getting, you know, those vaccines on a large level. We won't reach herd immunity for quite some time yet. So it's going to be a while before everything's normal. But the hope is that we'll have enough people vaccinated that it will be an impact and we won't ever see a surge like what we're dealing with right now.
0: All right, Aaron and Justin, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Damian. Thanks, Justin.
0: Thanks to my guests today, Aaron Alday and Justin Phillips. For all The Chronicle's coverage on the pandemic, go to sfchronicle.com slash coronavirus. You can find Justin's podcast, Extra Spicy, wherever you get Fifth and Mission. Thanks to Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.